Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husong and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 139 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. I'm guessing a intro-free segment of Sports, Clicks, and Politics, so I apologize for those uh, who missed the opening uh, uh, intro there, but I am still Sean Hannon, and this is still Ben Husong, and we are Sports, Clicks, and Politics, so welcome, Mr. Husong. How was your weekend? Good. Good. Any, uh, like, I don't know, temple building? No. No, no? very little. A uh, little bit of Any work. adoption of some, like, llamas? No, no llamas. Emus. No emus. I knew no. that was going next. And no alpacas. We're not We're not going down that road. We did offload a few rabbits, so we're, we're okay. lighter now than we were, which is good. We're down to four. But I did have to laugh because I had a uh, I had the baseball team over for a pool party on Saturday, and they were up on the deck, and they're all hanging out, getting ready to swim. And all of a sudden, one of the kids looks out and sees the chicken run in the backyard, and like yells "chickens" and runs down to go see him. And I was like, "That's an awesome reaction to seeing chickens. Everybody should have that." Way reaction. to stimulate the uh, the youth of the world, Mr. Hewson. That's what I'm here to do. Just yeah. opens people's eyes to other ways of living, making them touch grass. That's it. Like, can right. I go in there? Like, yeah, but if they peck you, you can't blame me. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> like, all right, smart. Yeah. Well, so like, he's good. He didn't go in. He didn't go in. He yeah, just wanted to go and look man. at him, get a close up view. Well, excellent. So, well, before we get into our uh, seemingly unseeming, unseemly, unseemly is the word you're going set for. of. Uh, I was trying to use both simultaneously or back to back, but yes, unseemly, seemingly unseemly weekly list of topics. That's what wow, I was going at. Yeah. Seemingly unseemly. I mean, it came that way. I didn't really plan it, but well done. That was hard to say, obviously. So anyway, we got bioweapons to talk about. Nice. We got a reemergence of my boy Gail Luft. Not under the best of circumstances. Well, I mean, we're going to play some few minutes of his uh, interview that got him in trouble here. But um, did you get to watch any of the Blaze Summit over Just the weekend? Some of the highlights. Just some they of the, were yeah, it's all. I mean, I'm assuming that it, the full version is available someplace. I have not seen that. I have uh, a few uh, video clips, some stuff I thought was interesting from that pulled up through some uh, Twitter videos here. So we'll uh, play those and discuss those. Okay. Ray Epps is in the news again. Not for the right reasons. Well, he says so. Ish, but, yeah, ish right? Uh, and then again, I mentioned the bioweapons. And uh, then, of course, yep. you know, more COVID stuff never seems to leave the show. Fauci and the lab leak. You know, when people do terrible things, we tend to keep finding it out and talking about it. It's weird. Yeah. So we don't really have any sports. Did you happen to see uh, any of uh, Wemby? They shut him down after, like, basically two games. He no. had one, like, eh, game, and then the other game he good. And they're like, okay, we're good. You're done. Yeah, they shut him down. So I just stopped watching the summer league after that. that I was, didn't start watching yeah, the summer well, league, I so no, I wasn't expecting that. that from you. So uh, the open championship this weekend. Yes. Yeah. Big deal. Have any? Uh, do you know anybody over there uh, attending the uh, tournament or no? I might. Not yeah. th- none of which I am aware, but it's entirely <laughs> possible. I'm gonna. Yeah, find that's out why I asked because I figured there might be some people from the uh, the club there that might be yeah. making that trip. But I don't know. Do you find waking up at like two in the morning to watch golf? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's what I, I make sure I take a nap. So yeah, I can, I'm like, not watching. I'm so I can watch the morning. Good lord. 
Do you watch it at all? Like it's like yeah, now it's like some. breakfast golf, right? So like So I'll watch it periodically, but I'll just check in here and there. I don't watch golf with the same affinity that I once did. I used to like literally Masters Week that was what I had on well at work yeah. all the time. And now I think I watched one hour of the Masters and It's the F and Chickens. Yeah, I mean listen, it's a lot at of all. things. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you it's, know, it's, it's a that's lot just of the things. name of the list is the chicken list. The chicken list does add up. That should be the four season list. But. It doesn't add up to a lot of golf. <laughs> and so I uh I did get to play golf last week though. Oh at, yeah. Uh, Turning Stone. Nice, which of course fun. Uh, Tecumseh, maybe? Nope. Nope. Shenandoah. <laughs> uh so there is yeah. Which one of the three courses? Not the super hard one. Well, there's three. There's the the hardest one is actually not the PGA one. Atunio is the PGA. Not that one. Yeah. Then there's like uh, something with a K, and I'm gonna. I just butchered the name. It's like Calalia or something like sure. that. It's really. It's extremely difficult. I'm guessing most people don't play that one because. Gotcha. And then there's uh, what you said, Shenandoah. I think. I uh, think that's the one I played yeah. then. Yeah. But I, I mean, a shot at 99, so I was happy. Oh yeah, no, nice. So it's a second round. Of yeah, when you go to Atunia, you, you have to. You go through these gigantic like wooden gate doors. Like no, you definitely yeah. didn't play that course. <laughs> Uh, that was but, fun. Yeah. It's good to get uh, out. And yeah. Hit I only ball. played that course one time and it was on Easter day in a pouring rain. Nice. Like balls were plugging in the fairway. It it's kind of like Jesus was mad at you for golfing on his resurrection day. Who? Yeah. You heard me <laughs> <laughs> like you don't know. <laughs> um, but it was fun. I was not prepared for the, uh, full service aspect of the, uh, you know, being there where they like cleaning all your clubs and like, Asking you, like, uh, it was, like, over the top for me. So, I get it. And it was fun. But I get it. I wish I would have played in a, uh, different weather circumstances because I probably would have been more fun. But I, I do have – I have – I play golf at Tecumseh today. Oh, that's, that's where I, that was yes, in my mind right. from. I got it now. So right, that's why I was bad. like, nope. Nope, that's definitely wrong. <laughs> definitely wrong. Um, but, yeah, so I get to uh, chase my showtime with uh, little nine holes. So Good it's always I, Good luck. It's always my Mondays, yeah. Um. I guess we should probably just get into some topics here since yeah. people probably hate us for talking about this. I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into some of this stuff? No, I'm ready. Let's dive in. All right. Well, first up on the list, as I mentioned before, Gail Luft. Um, so this interview, I think, is something like 12 minutes long. I'm not going to play that whole thing. I'm going to play. I am going to play like four and a half, five minutes of this thing because I think it's. It's all information that should be put into context before we start talking about things that kind of move forward there. So let me make sure I get the audio set up here so you guys can play along at home here. Um, but again, this is, uh, he's like an Israeli, you know, foreign national. This guy, and if you remember, we covered this before, he um, is a uh, self-proclaimed whistleblower, you know, we'll, Got sure. facts remain to be seen if that turns out to be uh, uh, there. But um, as you can see, he'll lay out the timeline of this where he contacted the FBI. Yep. Before Biden even announced to be president and said, hey, we got some issues over here with this Chinese energy company. CEFC, we all are familiar with that company now. Um, and he kind of lays out the groundwork. So, again, let me just play this left uh, interview here and then we'll be able to... Uh, We'll be able to uh, digest or, or discuss what, what, what he mentions here. So give me a second. And it's not working. Oh, I know why it's not working. Get Hold it on. together, Sean. I got it. No, I know. It's the same reason why our intro didn't work, but 
but now I know why. So good job. I knew you'd work it out. I, I will. Have my faith in you. I got to put on the black hole two channel. I know you know what that means. Nope. All right. Let's go back to uh, Gail Loft. Okay, so this is in the New York Post. And uh, if you don't see, you see Miranda Devine. She's kind of the been the lead journalist uh, uh, investigating the Hunter Biden laptop. And she has kind of overlapped this Gail Luff story with her Hunter Biden laptop. And you can see why when we uh, get into this interview here. So, all right. Without further ado, let me get you, uh, get, get Gail Luft. Maybe I'm going to fail miserably today. I think you got it. I still got faith in you. Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to try. Uh, I restarted this page here to see if that was my problem here, but I was just listening to this interview, so now I'm upset because uh, it didn't work out. But So you don't have it muted on the screen, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, Always start with what you want it to be. What's the easiest fix? Let's start there. We'll troubleshoot our way right through this. Yeah, well, how about I could just hit a play button? It would be nice. There it is. And then we just got to mute our microphones, right? Yeah, but until I get sound from these guys, Good day. it won't matter. Attention. My name is Turn Dr. Gal Luft. Video. Yeah, it's already all the way years, up. Oh, man, this is going to suck. The Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, a Washington-based think tank focused on energy security. Ooh. For the past few years, I've been a resident of Israel. Let me for see four if years, I can do this here again. I was senior this advisor to the China energy company CFC. I'm very sorry, folks, for players, those playing at home here. The Biden family. This is not how it was supposed to go. I was just literally just listening to this interview I would be testifying before we before went on the air on this channel. So I thought maybe I messed something up here, but I Sadly, don't see him coming through at all. And I'm guessing Today, nobody at home is confirming my name is that he's Dr. here. Gal Luft. Boo hiss. Uh, let me read this article um, about Gail Luft. Uh, so until I, while I play around in the background here and then I'll let Ben talk and kill time while I, <laughs> while I fix this in the background. Yes. So this is, um, justice department charges think tank official, which is who's Gail Luft, uh, who gave FBI info on Hunter Biden. So, um, again, this is a, you know, somebody who had, uh, indict, uh, inside workings of CEFC, the Chinese energy company for which, the accusation is that the Biden family received uh, millions of dollars in payoffs uh, for uh, influence peddling uh, through this these uh, through for this energy company. And Gail Luft gets into One Eye. We talked about One Eye and who One Eye might be, and uh, some uh, some weird pictures that might verify that. But let me read the. Uh, the, uh, the first paragraph of this federal prosecutors in Manhattan accused Gail Luft of covertly working with China and attempting to facilitate arms sales to Iran, Libya, and Qatar. Luft, the co-director of Maryland-based Institute of An Analysis of Global Security, was arrested in Cyprus on February 17th. This is 2023. Uh, but skipped bail while facing extradition to the United States, U.S. Attorney Damian Williams and Justice Department Assistant Attorney General for National Security Matthew Olson both Biden appointees announced the charges against Luft. So Luft, the whistleblower who outed the Bidens as, uh, you know, selling influence to this Chinese energy company, now gets arrested by that same Department of Justice that he uh, whistleblowed to and being charged as a uh, foreign national. Okay, so that's good. It was working. That's good. It's just not working at our end. 
which is weird. That is odd. Hmm. So we could, they could hear Gail left? Is that what you're saying? Apparently so. I'm guessing that, okay, that's good. All right, well, let's go back to Gail left then. So now you have the text, though. So now you have context. You have the, he was a whistleblower. In 2019, this is March of 2019 yep. when he came forward, when he first came forward, when he first contacted the FBI. So, bef- again, this is under the Trump DOJ. Uh, Biden had yet even to announce yet. Uh, fast forward 2023 here, he gets arrested by the Department of Justice and the Southern District of New York, the same basically people who you'll, you'll see the, the connection here in a second, um, that basically the people who he whistleblow to turned on him here. And you can see, you can see this. So right, let's try it again here. And uh, uh, hopefully I know, well, this is not going to help Ben because you're not going to be able to hear it. I already, I think I already watched okay. this actually. So let's play this for all the folks at home then. For the past 20 years, I have been the co-director of the Institutes for the Analysis of Global Security, a Washington based think tank focused on energy security. For the past 15 years, I've been a resident of Israel and for four years, I was senior advisor to the China energy company CFC at the same time of its dealings with the Biden family. Under normal circumstances, I would be testifying before Congress about my experience with CFC. Sadly, due to circumstances I shall describe here in this video, uh, I am forced to tell you this story via video. My ordeal goes back to uh, a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the US government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. As I said, it was in March of 2019 in a two-day session at the US Embassy in Brussels. I insisted that the meeting take place in March because at the time there were rumors that Joe Biden was planning to run for president. I saw it as my civic duty to alert the government beforehand and give it enough time to probe the issue. I want to be clear. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the DOJ's uh, cover-up, this is exactly what happened. The DOJ sent to Brussels a delegation of six uh, people, two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York, by the names of Daniel Reichenthal and Catherine Ghosh, and four FBI agents. One of them was Special Agent Joshua Wilson from the Baltimore Field Office, which also happens to cover the state of Delaware. Now you want to ask yourself, why did the government dispatch to Europe so many people? Why six? Why not two? The answer is that they knew very well that I'm a credible uh, witness and that I have insider knowledge about the group and the individuals that enriched the Biden family. Over an intensive two-day two meeting, um, 
I shared my information about the Biden family's financial transactions with CFC, including specific dollar figures. I also provided the name of Rob Walker, who later became known as Hunter Biden's bagman. Uh, yet, as we now know today from the whistleblower testimony, uh, Gary Shapley, it took the DOJ a whole 21 months to probe the issue and to actually talk to Walker. But perhaps the most alarming information I revealed was of a mole within the DOJ who shared classified information with Hunter Biden and his Chinese partners. I told the DOJ that Hunter was closely associated with a very senior retire, retired FBI official who had distinct physical characteristic. He had one eye. One of the FBI agents at the time even told me, you know, that would be very easy for us to find. There aren't that many one-eyed people in the Bureau. The information I provided the FBI in March of 2019 was fully corroborated nine months later when the famous laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, which contained all the emails and receipts, was handed to the FBI. And guess who seized the laptop from the computer repair shop? It was Special Agent Joshua Wilson, who was with me in Brussels earlier. In other words, the FBI knew about uh, from me. All right. So I think that was a spot where I wanted to kind of cut off. So I think I uh, majority of the timeline there was covered by him. Obviously, we could not hear this at uh, me and you in the studio here, um, so I don't have anything specifically of those uh, there. But in general, this seems pretty shady. I mean, this dude is a legit, like, he's not some flyby, you know, he's not some, you know, off crackpot out of nowhere, like, with these accusations. He's right. clearly involved in what he's pro proclaiming to be involved. He has plenty of connections. I mean, he works with the CIA on the regular. So it's like, he's an insider's insider. And, you know, he goes through there, says, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I just came through for my civic duty. I just wanted to make this aware. This is before Biden even announced, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. Like, I mean, he's on the run. Uh, you know, he made this video after, you know, dodging bail. And, uh, uh, at that point, again, got charged under the, the with the fire violation. Uh, ironically, something that Hunter Biden was not charged with uh, in his dealings with CEFC uh, or Burisma or any of these other uh, companies that remaining companies or whatever else he's doing here. Um, I don't know. Is this, is this the, is this, does this story eventually become the reason why the Bidens are not, uh, why Biden not run in 2024? That's really where I feel like this is bubbling up as. I don't think Biden is running in 2024, and I'm basing that on the idea that he has spent almost no money and only has four people working on his re-election campaign right now. I, I mean, the idea that you would do that when the election is next year tells me you're not gearing up for anything. Like if you, I were, mean, he didn't really campaign in 2020 either. That's I mean, not he true. Basically, dozens of people went to listen to him speak in their little circles outside, safe, all perfectly, spaces. perfectly socially distanced to that magical six feet, which we now know definitively stops you from getting sick. Six feet, not five feet, 10 inches, six feet. 
All right, let's never get it confused again. Best campaign ever. Anyways, back to this. So I guess here's my part. Here's my overall problem. None of this makes any sense. Like the idea of what I'm being asked to believe is so laughable that it's, it's literally the FBI and the DOJ basically looking at every one of us and going, F you. Yeah, That's the, why. And the one thing that I think he made the point of, and I think this was really what hit home was, I think it was agent, his name was Josh Wilson, was the guy who interviewed him. So when he went to FBI in March of 2019, yep. six people come visit him, two FBI agents or two, uh, some FBI agents and two people from the SDNY, the Southern District of New York. So one of the agents from the SDNY Josh Wilson. Oh, no, maybe he was one of the FBI agents. Anyway, is the same guy who took possession of Hunter Biden's laptop when it was turned over to the FBI authorities. So the guy who got the story from Luft ahead of time, right, months before they got the laptop. So he already had the story. Hey, the Biden family's doing this. Lo and behold, a few months later, boop, the laptop from hell pops up and it has all the receipts that says, yay, that dude was right. The guy left. Oh my God. He said this ahead of time. The same agent intercepts the laptop who would already interview him. So all of the information is now encapsulated in this one dude's head, basically. And he is now the filter of the Hunter Biden story. And I, I would like that agent to be uh, brought up for in front of Congress and had some questions asked, I think I would concur with that, but let's just, again, let's go in the light most favorable to the government. All right. So apparently what I'm supposed to believe is that this man, Galoft, who's a dual U.S. and Israeli citizen, who's been in a think tank and one of these intellectually superior human beings who tells us all what's important in the world, even though none of us actually care what they have to say, and he gets paid a lot of money for it. Fine. And usually it's related to international relations of uh, his think tank in particular. What was the name of it again? It was called, let me pull this up here. Yeah, the Analysis of Global Security. All right, so he's essentially a... Institute for the Analysis of Global Security. Institute for the Analysis of Global Security. Fine. So he's basically facilitating conversations between governments. Sure. About making the world a safer and more secure place. Cool. Thank God we have these brilliant people in these positions. But apparently... When the former CIA director wrote an article, he ghost wrote it, Gail Luft did, and he got, he ghost wrote this article that took some positions that were in essence, hey, maybe nuclear war with China would be bad and we should engage with them and in an effort to like avoid a war and avoid an economic war, we should support these different things and do all that. Now, there's no allegation that Luft actually made any money for that particular ghost written article, but... Uh, Woosley or Woolley or whatever the former CIA director's yeah, Woosley, name yeah. was. And if I read it correctly, he was the acting director at the time, which would have yes. brought that back to 2016, 2017. Okay. 2017, this guy who's worked forever at this Institute for the Analysis of Global Security suddenly uh, writes this article, and the government is like, Sky clearly is advocating for pro-China positions, and a Chinese guy donated $350,000 to his think tank. Clearly, he should have been registered as a foreign agent. Okay, sure. Now, it wasn't that you brought that up in 2016 when it happened, or 2017, or 2018, or even 2019. No, no, no. Then he goes and says, hey, I've, 
I could tell you definitively the Bidens are utterly corrupt. Here are the allegations. Here's what I know for a fact. Here's what I've been involved with, and here's what I'm hearing. And the FBI apparently had to lend this gentleman some credibility because if you were a crackpot that said, I have proof that aliens exist and Barack Obama is one of them, and they had to like send somebody out, they're probably sending one, maybe two, not six. Not sending out two people from SDNY on top of four agents to figure out what it is that you know. No, no, no. That's probably not happening. So apparently they had at least some level of credibility for this guy. All right, fine. So now the government's telling us that, thank God, we're here to protect you from these dangerous arms dealers like Gail Luft, who is just an absolute dork, by the way. Like, if you listen to the guy talk, if you look at him, there's no way. He's a nerd. Nothing wrong with it. But that's who ends up working at the Institute for the Analysis of Global Security. You're a nerd. Good. We need nerds. I like them. Arms dealer is a stretch. So he just says, yeah, somebody who is a bona fide arms dealer said, hey, could you ask that other company if they have this and how much it would cost me to buy it? Sure. If that's right and that's enough to get you brought up on international gun running, oof. So I guess here's again my point. All of this seems to have occurred pre-2020. All right, the alleged gun running to Iran and to China and all these pro-China positions. Why was he why was he not looked into at all prior to 2022? Like if they're he's been doing busy. this for 10 years, they're busy. Suddenly, I mean they were looking for Epstein's client lists. Sure. They were looking to, you know, try to make sure Ghislaine Maxwell would, you know, get get served her time for yeah. trafficking minors to no one. Yeah. Right. So they had all this, all of this happened, not like within the last year and they just found out and are bringing it down on him. Like, no, 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 this feels retaliatory. This feels like, no, you, all of this was there. And by the way, the the FARA thing, the foreign agent registration, whatever yeah. the hell mm -hmm. it is, yeah. has to be the dumbest and most easily exploitable law I have ever seen. Of if I go out and just take a position and just say, hey... If I worked at a think tank, I started a think tank and just said, hey, my think tank is the hope for world peace. Anti-war is all I am. I just want peace. And some people in China and Israel and all these other countries like, hey, I can get on board. Here's a check. Here's 100 grand. Thanks, guys. Let's have world peace. And then I come to our government and I write an opinion piece and, and a recommendation that says, hey, we probably shouldn't have nuclear war with China. I'm in violation of the, of I'm supposed to register as a foreign agent for that. Like how coincidental does it need to be where at least there are some things that yes, would advocate China's position for which I did get paid, but how the hell do you ever prove that it was a quid pro quo to that extent? Cause if you can't prove Hunter Biden's quid pro quo, you can't prove any ever. You might as well give up. And that is the jarring difference with how Gail Luft, if I look at this in the light most favorable to the government, how differently he is being treated for what, even if they are true, would be such minor occurrences of advocating for the benefit of a foreign adversary versus Hunter Biden and how differently they've been treated. It's, I cannot reconcile that. It is impossible. And if you can you're lying to yourself. There's just it, the dis, the distinction is too stark. Yeah, and so again, to, just to wrap this up, so Luft has been was scheduled to testify in Congress. Now he's on the run. So, um, I think this has the makings of the takedown. I really do. I hope there's so. enough. There's enough things that people can point to that aren't partisan in this story. Right. Being like, okay, well, if 
you know, this is a big if. If the legacy media wanted to engage in the story to take him down, they could latch on to a bunch of stuff in this story that would take down the Bidens if they wanted to. Right. And they will. At some point, they have to. My guess is they're looking for a way to tie Kamala Harris into it so they can get rid of both of them simultaneously. If they could show, like, he gave her a kickback, too, then they could just say, hey, you know what? They did it, and we're just going to have neither of them run, and Gavin Newsom, come on in. Yeah. I mean, just real quick, I don't want to get into a huge DNC convention discussion right now, but if Biden is just gone, Gavin announces, and then it's just... Gavin and Kamala, right, Mm -hmm. for some debates, like, whatever. Like, they're not going to just annoy. I mean, they may not dismiss Kamala right away knowing that Newsom can just beat her. The same problem occurs of if you do that, you are now the easiest target for every single person in the world. And the reality is Gavin Newsom, I would imagine, is less or is more disliked than Joe Biden was in 2020. Like, Joe Biden in 2020, it wasn't that anybody really disliked him or liked him. It was just sort of laughable that he was running for president. Yeah. And everybody, you know, he got 81 million votes. And God bless the guy for his fully legitimate 81 million votes. The most ever. And it was like, okay, you you know, you tell me it's an anti-Trump vote, I can get on board. The problem is Gavin Newsom is far more polarizing than Joe Biden is. Gavin Newsom does not get the, oh, well, at least it's not Trump. Because the guy has done too many shady things. He's done too many bad things. So in that in that vein, I think if you try to run him and just what's Kamala going to do? Be the vice president again? Of course no, no, not. No. You're not going to have two people from California. She can't. Yeah. So you're going to kick her out. So unless you do something to sully her to make her unable to run, you have a Kamala Harris problem. Yeah. You you have a yeah. problem of the optics are terrible, and again, people that tend to vote blue are going to have to deal with me and people like me being so belligerent about this point about the hypocrisy. <laughs> Of, oh, you told me that it was so important yeah, if you I know, had a female vote. But you know there's a number out there where she just steps aside, right? But they have to have a reason. No, she That's could just the she could be the I just don't want to do it. I have a health issue. I have She's a whatever. She could come up with old. she could come up with anything. Yeah. There's a there's a dollar amount out there though where she just steps aside. That's all. I think it's easy. Because she's already way be over skis, if you will, where she's at now. Like, I mean, there, I can't imagine she really ever thought she was gonna be vice president at, at any time of her life. Maybe she's that confused about her position, but I don't think anybody else ever thought that this was going to be the thing anyway. But again, I don't want to have a huge discussion there, but let's, we'll keep updated on Gail Luft. It's just, such if a- Gail wants to come on the show. Yeah. Open invitation, Gail. <laughs> Sorry for calling you a nerd. That's all right. He's, it's an effect. Like Thomas Massey embraces the nerd, right? Yeah. He is a nerd. He's right. another one. Like yeah. good. Yeah. We need them. I know. I wish I was one. Yeah. I probably was at once at one point. I don't know. Yeah. Well, all right, that's not what we want to talk about. What do we want to talk about? I w- thought I wanted to talk about. Did we Ray want to Epps. talk about Ray Epps? Yeah, but where is he? I don't. Did I, did Probably I even, in Arizona. Did I not even pull up an article about Ray Epps? Do I? Have, I don't have an article about. Oh no, yeah, I do. Right here. Let's See, pull it up. You're all over it. Bismack review. Ray Epps says now he's about to be charged for January 6th. Blames relentless attacks by Fox. So, two things. Ray Epps is now claiming that he's going to be charged for his activities on January 6th. Only two and a half years, <laughs> sometime around there. And he is suing Fox News for defamation. I don't think Tucker specifically, but maybe, um, but continues to cite Tucker Carlson as 
the reason why uh, he is suing Fox News. So, and it says that t- uh, Tucker wants to destroy him or bury him or something like that. So, good. I hope he gets charged. Eh, like, I don't expect anything of it. Like, why would anybody, like... We're about to see some Hunter Biden-esque yeah, sentencing exactly. of Ray So, um, I find it comical that he's trying to sue Fox News for defamation. Uh, Did you hear the specifics of what he said was false and Oh, no, go ahead. That he is an undercover FBI agent, of which he is not. Yeah, I don't think that was ever actually said. Uh, he, he might be an informant. He might be a... Uh, a friend of the program, if you will, but uh, yeah, you don't have to technically. Yeah, I mean, you can you can make definitive statements like that all you want, but everybody gets it, dude. Like, there's levels of uh, uh, you know association with the FBI. So, I don't expect anything to come of the defamation suit. You know, maybe Fox is in a uh, let's destroy Tucker mode, and we're going to say they're going to pay out some number that they can afford to pay out. And be like, okay, we had to pay out Ray Apps too because Tucker's such a bad person. Maybe Fox wants to pay out some money to make Tucker look bad. I doubt it. So I think that goes nowhere. I also think his being charged goes nowhere. I mean, and it doesn't disprove anything. It, unless he's going away for like 20 years. Okay, let me, let me, let me, you know. Let me, it, when he serves as much time as the shaman does, I'll believe that something happened. When he serves as much time under the same circumstances as the rest of these poor bastards yeah. had to serve, awaiting trial, the yeah. right to a speedy trial being waived and just sitting in jail for a year on end yeah. with nothing to show for it, then I'll have some sympathy yeah. for Mr. Ray Epps. Yeah, until then, he's a fed. So, but, again, almost a mockery of the whole situation in general. So, I don't know what to I don't know what to make of it. Like I said, I think neither one of those lawsuits actually do anything, but because they had to do it because they're hoping people will just follow the headline because there's been too many people pointing out Ray Epps based on what other people have been charged for. There is no excuse for him not to have been charged with just what we've seen on video and the handling by the FBI where he was the 16th most wanted person on January 6th to overnight was taken off the list altogether as if he was never on it. Like, that's the kind of stuff with no explanation too, right? Like, right. I mean, like, and they've never been able to explain yeah, right. it. And so you're looking at it and just saying, Hey guys, again, how much benefit of the doubt am I supposed to offer you at this point? When you have demonstrated time and time again, you have a complete, let's call it casual relationship with the truth. And you have a notorious reputation for putting informants in places and having them instigate worse things. Like this is what you've done for 20 years plus. And I'm supposed to believe you just magically stopped. And this is all coincidence. I can't get there. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll keep an eye on those as we uh, move forward here. But let's talk about another thing that we've uh, mentioned here on the show a little bit. Lab leak. <laughs> Fauci. What do we want to talk about? So during the initial run-up, when the question was being asked frequently as if this could have been a um, result of gain-of-function research being funded by the United States government and Jeffrey, or Jeffrey Epstein, Jesus, <laughs> Anthony Fauci... Uh, you know, informed Dr. Rand Paul that he does not know what he is talking about and is just too stupid to understand it. So they did some FOIL requests and said, oh, by the way, for you listening at home, in case you were wondering, if it's a FOIL request, it's state governments. If it's FOIA, that's federal government. I learned that, and I just want mm. to share that information. You're welcome. So during the FOIA requests to the NIH to say, hey, anything where you talked about lab leak hypothesis, where you like, let's find out. Did you really not think this was possible or gain a function? So do you have the pictures up or no? Uh, I'm going to pull those up. All right. 
So in response, they had this one email which talked about those, and this is the email that Anthony Fauci and the NIH released with some slight redactions. Yeah, it's going to give me a second here, but oh come on, man! I thought we had that timing all perfect. I have the I have the videos, but I I can't actually. Here they are. So here's the. Do you want the, Do you want the redacted or yeah, the? I want the redacted one first. Obviously, this is just a public servant doing his best to inform the public and increase transparency amongst the government and its citizenry. That is the email that was released in compliance with a FOIA request. Now, FOIA requests aren't really optional. Once they're done, you as a government employee or agency, you have to comply unless you can meet one of nine specific defenses. Personal information can't be released. Uh, national security stuff can't be released. That kind of stuff. So now let's take a look at the actual email, which a second from the House Judiciary Oversight or the House Oversight Committee requested, and they had to give up. So at that point, now all of this, keep in mind, was redacted under the initial email. So everything from okay. Francis Collins... Yeah, I'll toggle back. And there were several highly credible scientists. Yeah, I'm toggling back and forth between the two emails here. So you can see there's basically the first six words of the the email and the last sentence. Right. They were concerned about the fact that upon viewing the sequence of several isolates of the NCOV, there were mutations in the virus that would be most unusual to have evolved naturally in the bats and that there was a suspicion that this mutation was intentionally inserted. And then the highlighted part. The suspicion was heightened by the fact that scientists in Wuhan University are known to have been working on gain-of-function experiments to determine the molecular mechanisms associated with bat viruses adapting to human infection and the outbreaks or something originated in Wuhan. Wuhan. So please explain to me what of the nine defenses against the FOIA request does that all fit into? I don't think that's a natural, national security concern. I don't think there's any personally identifiable information. I don't think there's any health information involved with that. So if they ask you as a government official, you went on and said, nope, nobody ever believed it could have possibly been a lab leak because that was racist and anti-Asian hate spreading as I was reliably informed. And so they say, well, what emails did you have in private? And you look at this email and you go, Hey, let's add a 10th defense. If it makes us look bad, blank the whole thing out. Brilliant. Yeah. Like, again, this is indefensible. This is so far beyond the pale of what is acceptable redaction of an email that you as a public servant, please don't forget, we were reliably informed Anthony Fauci was a beyond reproach after his years of public service. Never mind that he was the highest paid public servant in the history of America. Did you hear how these got released? Like on an accident? No. So they released the PDF version with the redactions, but they didn't clear like the the amendment. So you could just undo the redactions. Like yes. you could you could just see it. And then they that, that they they figured it out too late and then they put back up the the more uh uh protected PDF version. It's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. So um, listen, I would like to think that somebody did that on purpose, be like, you know what? F you. Somebody needs to see this. So uh, if not, either way, good. I mean, I can fully believe government incompetence. Like, I have no doubt Absolutely. But I I just thought I want to believe that there was somebody in the background being like, you know what? Screw you guys. guys. Right. And that's what I mean of 
I, these guys are terrible. Like, I don't understand how anybody can have any faith in these people still. There is no legitimate reason why that had to be blacked out. Other than it's like the scene from Liar Liar where he objects and the judge says, on what grounds? Because it's devastating to my case. <laughs> like, nope, that's not grounds. That's not it. The fact that you got caught red-handed lying and misleading people is not sufficient grounds for you to deny turning this information over. It's a matter of public record. That's part of public service. If you don't want to have to have that accountability, go into private practice. Yeah, and all these, like, the Christian Andersons of the world, all these... These scumbags. Yeah, I mean, come on, dudes. Like, and Francis Collins tries to portray himself as some, like, stoic old man, too, and that dude is a slime ball. All these people, all these people knew, and they could have... They, I mean, listen, now, you know, you can make the argument, Russia and China, from the beginning, was kind of saying, hey, I think this is a U.S. Uh, lab leak... And uh, we were like, what? Lab leak? It's natural. And we were like, oh. And then China's like, no, it's a lab leak. And then we were like, it's a lab leak. And look, it's <laughs> Wuhan. And we were like, what? Like, so how do you really take all that seriously? I mean, Ralph Barrick kind of lives in the United, in the North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, does this, the stuff that we all talk about here. Gets grants, sends them over to Wuhan from the government. So it's uh, it's it's just... The, like essentially, if I'm understanding how this all works, the Department of Defense wanted to continue doing gain-of-function research after it was banned under the Obama administration. And so they literally just went to the NIH and said, we're going to fund it over there. The NIH said, sure. So they went to like a level three security facility in the Wuhan Virology that's like a Center. That's like the level of a dentist. Correct. To, to like <laughs> experiment with some of the most transmissible viruses in the world. Like... The stupidity that's involved in this is so mind-blowing that you just can't wrap your brain around it. The bigger concern is it's not stupid, and they did it on purpose. That yeah. would be way more alarming, not because of what happened so far, but because of what would be coming next. Yeah. That would be way more concerning. So all these people are scumbags just to you know drive home that point. Right, and if you are still inclined to defend Dr. Anthony Fauci, please take a look at this and give me your best argument for why this email needed to be redacted what information did we glean that was harmful to the national interest what personally identifiable or security information was given up yeah i would hit the crickets button but i we gotta get one. i don't know i have it it doesn't, probably doesn't work you're off today it probably right. doesn't work get because nothing together, works you, together my god all right let's switch let's switch gears Unless you have more on Fauci and the no, it's just company. hilarious. All these scumbags. Anyway, so all right. So I mentioned this in the in the intro, and you said you only saw some highlights, and I'm gonna try to play some highlights here for the folks. Um, not for that, for this. So, Blaze TV or Blaze Media hosted a 2024 presidential forum. Can't remember exactly when it was. Uh, this is July 14th, so that's when it was. Um, I'm going to play some videos here. Me and you are not going to hear them because I'm an amateur and the folks at home will hear them. I kind of have an idea of what they're talking about in each one of these clips. So we can kind of uh, piggyback on that when we get there, but uh, let me uh, switch up the audio and then I'll play these clips. So I have clips here from Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, DeSantis and Nikki Haley. So, if I can get them all in, we'll, we'll play them all. All right. So first one, 
uh, Tim Scott, and this is uh, talking about whether or not this is, and just just for my own personal context, this is kind of what I, I'm I'm looking for in my which one of these are basically warhawks. Yeah, is kind of like my my first line of defense for all these candidates. So I, I look through these through that lens and and this through that lens is how I observe this uh, conversation here. So let me play uh, Tucker's question of uh, Tim Scott and whether or not he supports uh, sending cluster bombs to Ukraine. And so let me get that set up. Uh, where are you on, on the matter of sending cluster bombs to the Ukrainian military? Well, if I was president of the United States, we wouldn't have to. Here's what you saw. But, but now that we have, what do you think of it? Well, I mean, I think they're, they're there. So here's what I would suggest is that, Well, they're not. I don't think they're there yet. Do well, you they, think that we should send them? I think that the mistake is when you have President Biden saying to the world that here are a host of weapons that we no longer have the ammunition to supply. You have a request coming from Ukraine saying we need more of the weapons that you say you don't have to, to, to provide. As opposed to keeping top secret information in your closet, you go to the front pages of every news station, you go to the screens, and President Biden says to the world, we don't have the ammunition. And so what you see from Ukraine is they say send the cluster bombs over. Under my administration, we would have the resources and a defense industrial complex that provides the weapons that we need and our Western allies need. We wouldn't be in this position at all. Do you think he should send them? I wouldn't have to. He already has agreed to do so. Huh. Um, so Tim Scott is a war hawk. Um, I basically made the case there that we wouldn't even need the cluster bombs if I was in charge because I'm, I would have given him better weapons before they had to get to cluster bombs, right? Basically, Tim Scott is disqualified for me. I could never vote for the guy. He's clearly a war hawk. There's other clips that I could have played, longer clips that basically drive that home. Tucker calls him out on it. I think he's pretty much DOE here. I, I, I don't know. I would agree. Um, not that I ever thought he was a... I mean, he's he presents himself as a, you know reasonable person you know i sure. mean doesn't come across as some kind of dingbat or anything but um just not going to do it for me so um i don't know did you have any uh, quick takes on uh i think tim scott, tim scott is going to be brought down by the fact that he's trying to toe the line and appeal to both sides he's trying to come across as if like it, you don't need to take a firm stand one way or the other and you can just keep um appeasing all sides within the party and you can't yeah all right so let's move on to the guy who's probably most likely to drop out after this weekend mike pence asa hutchinson close second mike you're pence. right asa hutchinson uh, arkansas governor i, I can't remember no exactly yeah, honestly his name's asa so i don't yeah. think i was gonna vote for him anyway. you think that's short for something i don't want to say what oh <laughs> It could be endless. All right, so let's play. This is probably my the shortest and my favorite part of the whole oh, summit. This so is good, yeah. Let me play this. You guys will enjoy it. And how many COVID shots did you take, and how do you feel about it now? In retrospect, how many COVID shots did you take? Zero. <laughs> and how many? Zero is the answer. Zero is the correct answer. Um. Again, I didn't see the whole discussion with Asa Hutchinson, so 
it's these questions are typical Tucker, right? Like they're they don't they're not they're coming literally from you would never get that question on a on a legacy media channel ever zero almost anywhere else like nowhere. So I I don't know what the back ground for asking Hutchinson this question specifically is. Um, but how many COVID shots did you take? Zero is the correct answer. I, here's the only thing I, I will say about this. I spent two years saying that it's nobody's business about personal health information. And I will continue to say that it's an inappropriate question. It should never have been asked. I'm up for the idea that in the context of the conversation, it had to get brought in and I haven't seen the full So would thing. you, let me push back a little bit. Would you amend that though in people of people are running for president for example is that a fair question to them no it might like again like, at what point do i mean i would never ask you what's in your bank account but they ask all the presidential candidates what's in your bank account right point. so like i'm just wondering where the, the dynamic is, is like is there is there some relevance Ow. to getting an answer from a presidential candidate to that answer that Again, you, I, I agree in the, in sense, like what you know, totally in spirit of like I would never ask anybody that, unless I was extremely close to that person and right. knew that you know, there was, there was no right, there was something ask. going on there that beyond just me blindly asking a person. Yeah. But is there something to asking a presidential candidate that question? Yeah, That's I all. guess it's more fair with a presidential candidate, but I think the the same result could be asked without making it a personal question of, all right, looking back over the years of the COVID vaccines and you made public statements in support in light of the new information, do you regret any of those stances? Right, and some of that may have been laid out ahead of this right. question too, and I, I, in fairness, I'm I, open I, to I that idea. Yeah, right. Yes, I'm not like, here's the thing, I'm not slamming him for it because I'm, I'm also well aware that for the last two years, when I said that, I was essentially told to shut up. Yeah. Like, all right, well, now that the shoe's on the other foot, I don't know how bad you want me to feel for you. Like, I I've still will maintain my, my same position of, you don't have to answer that question. Like whatever personal healthcare decisions you make, you make. And now that it's coming out this way, I, I, I don't feel bad for Asa Hutchinson. Yeah. Well, you, you made your bed lying it. I don't know. What Especially since is. he and then retorted, he, he retorted so like dismissively. Yeah. And yes. then Tucker just was double Whack. barrel shotgun, like zero yep. dude. Like that's the right answer. But anyway, so Asa Hutchinson's probably out this weekend. I didn't even know he was in. So. I mean, I knew he was in, unfortunately, because I'm an idiot. But sure, but yeah, that's all right. I didn't know he was in, but you know, short-lived run, buddy. Good try. All right. So this was maybe my second best question. Oh boy, for Tucker. Did you see the Nikki Haley question here? I did playing? not see oh, this yeah. one actually. This is the question: Who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? Oh, I did see this. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's get Haley's uh, Nikki Haley uh, response. To that question from Tucker. Tucker. like I mean, It starts it, with, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, again, a question that zero chance of ever getting asked in a presidential debate. Nope. Put together by the, the two parties, ever. Zero chances. All right, so this will be fun. All right, so let's play Nikki Haley and uh, uh, Tucker. Who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? I mean, I, I don't know. Do I'm, not, I'm not claiming you did it. No. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Do you know who did it? Uh, seems pretty obvious. It was backed by the Biden administration, I would say. I mean, I think all the evidence suggests that, but I wasn't there. But I, I, I just, I mean, that seems like a huge step. This is the largest industrial sabotage in history, sent more carbon in the atmosphere than any act ever. 
And like, there's weirdly no curiosity about who did it. And I think that's strange. What do you well, think? There's a lot of things that are strange with the Biden administration. <laughs> this is the first one. I guess what I'm really saying is if you were running against the Biden administration, to do something like that and shaft our closest allies in the world, which would be Western Europe, and deprive them of the energy they need to run their manufacturing sector and destroy their economy, which it is in the process of doing, like that's a major sin to have done something like that. You just well, betrayed our allies and no one on the right is accusing the Bidens of what they clearly did. So I don't know why. All right, so again, just classic Tucker who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. You know, they make a joke about it at the beginning where like, she's, she's like, uh, you know, it wasn't me. <laughs> like, and Tucker's like, obviously I wasn't blaming you. Um, <coughs> but he put it, in the, <clears throat> excuse me, put it in the context of, you know, if you're running against Biden, how do you, how do you challenge him on the greatest industrial uh, sabotage in the history of the world and whatnot? So, um, again, like, again, I don't think this ends Nikki Haley by any means, or and I don't think it was the question was designed to do so. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley is also a war hawk and has zero chance of getting my vote. Um, again, she's you know disqualified as a uh, as a presidential candidate for for me anyway. So um, I don't think she has a real chance, you know. And I don't think, and I don't think we've we've discussed any of this, but like, do you think any of these people who are currently who have currently announced for president? could be a potential vice president if Trump is actually the nominee, which seems like the likely scenario at this point. Like, do you think any of them? Yeah. Like, I don't think DeSantis, they've already, we've, you know, they've nah, already talked, they've already hashed that out. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be Asa. Yeah, no. It's not going to be, I mean, Nikki Haley is still probably an option. And he was Trump's uh, uh, United Nation representative. Right. But the fact that she's running kind of says, right. I'm better than Trump. You know what I mean? Like, so... It's kind of a dig just by announcing, you know, Trump definitely takes it, all these people as I'm assuming as a dig. If you've announced to run against him, then you're taking a shot. Disloyal. At, right. How whatever. So you. again, I don't think she has a chance to be the president. I don't really think she has a chance to be the vice president. I mean, I still love the fact that the dude with like four ex-wives is the one preaching to us about loyalty. It's, the, it's like my favorite thing about his entire campaign. But anyways, uh, Vivek or Vivek, I don't know how to yeah, say it. Vivek. Vivek uh, might have a chance at being VP yeah, he, he's the only one who I would think of the announced candidates who does, other than he has also taken some seemingly uh, chances to, he offered to pardon Trump under, you know, I mean, there's, there's he's throwing, throwing some bones to Trump and Trump supporters for sure. Right. Um, and he, because he comes from outside the party in general, there is no, like, I've, I've long said that I think it's going to be Trump, DeSantis, and Ramaswamy, the final three people on the stage, only because he's, they're not really competing for the same people. I mean, he, listen, he needs all those voters to win. Correct. But the group, the, 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 co the people that he's trying to pull from are not the people who are already loyal to DeSantis or, or Trump. So I think he has a chance of carving out at least a, you know, like a double digit kind of, uh, you know, maybe like seven to eight, maybe 10% in some polling. And that kind of gets him on the debate stage. I can see it as, as an end. And maybe you're right. He does become the only, I mean, I don't think he's the favorite by any means. And I've heard some other names, Kerry Lake and JD Vance and some other people like thrown about his uh, vice presidential candidates. But um, I think he's in the mix. Speaking of him, I have his video pulled up here. Um, and so 
don't know if you saw this. He's talking about January 6th and the reasons why January 6th happened. Yes, I did watch okay, this. So one. that's the one I'm going to play for now. So I, it's interesting. I haven't heard anybody actually make this argument. And I do think there's something to it that there was a, you know, a, 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 a cauldron boiling on the people here for a little while and that kind of was the overflow of the uh, pot if you will and that there was a lot of you know covid was like a bunch of stuff was happening yeah in a real short period of time and then january 6th was kind of like the the overflow here so but all right let's play uh uh, vivek ramaswamy and uh uh from the uh, blaze media uh summit here Pretty scary. Um, so let's just go through the list. Another thing you can't say is that maybe January 6th, while appalling on one level, maybe it was not an insurrection. So let me, let me talk about, I've, I, haven't, I haven't talked about this much in the campaign. I'll be very honest with you. You want to know what caused January 6th? There's such a temptation to say that there's one man whose name is unspeakable. We well, can't. No, first of all, it's QAnon. Put up. It's QAnon. It's QAnon. <laughs> you want to know what caused January 6th? is pervasive censorship in this country in the lead up to January 6th. You tell people in this country they cannot speak, that is when they scream. You tell people they cannot scream, that is when they tear things down. And so the reality is, we were told that you could not question where the virus came from when we all knew it came from a lab in Wuhan, which now they admit. We were told that you could not send a private message to someone on the eve of an election that Hunter Biden's laptop story was actually a true story worth considering before an election. You were systematically suppressed. So this is, think about this. You told you had to be locked down, had to take a vaccine that was mandated and forced down your throat, stay locked down in your home while Antifa and BLM roam and burn the streets of this country. So that's the lead up of one full year of telling people you have to shut up, sit down and do as you're told. And then you tell them, okay, there's an election where you didn't get the information that you needed, such as the Hunter Biden laptop story being real and suppressed. That's what caused January 6th, is a cycle of censorship in this country. And until we look ourselves in the mirror and admit truth on that, we will not move forward as a country. And I think that's the real cause. And we're not, and I'm sorry to say this, Tucker, but I think until we reckon with that reality, I worry that that is the beginning of, it's a friendly parley compared to what's to come, unless we step up and... There's a couple things that he said there that I kind of liked. I never heard this phrase before, but um, he used it in good context here, I feel like. He's like, you tell people in the country they cannot speak, that is when they scream, right? So that's, Mm -hmm. I totally get behind that. And he says, you tell people they cannot scream, that's when they tear things down, right? So there was all of this censorship going on all of the things were building up and you know he points to the basically a a collective pressure release that was january 6th so i don't know again that is a a a throwing of the bone to the trump and trump supporters i think so to your point earlier that uh he's clearly trying to not piss them off anyway right so let alone even attract him so he's trying to walk that line yeah all right, so now let's do your Mike Pence one. <laughs> and so this is, uh, I, that's funny, um, uh, from, this is Benny Johnson on Twitter, so I'm sharing his, his tweet here. He has the video. It's a minute and 15 seconds coming up. He's like, Tucker instantly ends Mike Pence's career in 60 seconds. So 
this clip, I mean, this clip had 7.5 million views. I think you're right in a sense that Pence is pretty much done after this. You know, maybe he stays in longer so it doesn't look like this is the end. <laughs> this ended him, but I think this did end him. So, all right, let's get uh, Tucker and Mike Pence, and uh, they're going to talk about uh, Ukraine and war. I like it. Shocker. Spoiler alert. To anyone who's interested, Mike Pence slash is a warhawk. All right, let's listen. Along the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. You are, distra you. You are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. Right. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. Right. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. Right. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. <laughs> Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe... So Mike Gann, Mike Pence is a war hawk. Um, I, he's never going to be able to outrun the it's not a concern of mine comment. All right, it's taken out of context. And I'm sure. not in the business of defending Mike Pence. But it's it's it the way really it was bad. asked and where he injected that part yeah. of it, it it's he's never going to be able to outrun it. No, it's bad. It, it did sound bad, but you know he wasn't. That's not what he meant. He wasn't saying that all those things. He was saying that no, my concern is not that Ukraine has enough tanks. It's that we need to be able to do both. We need to be able to take care of things at home and also take care of things abroad. Which, and he says, if you don't think we can be the leader of democracy around the world, then you just have a small vision for America. First off, Mike, please shut up. Oh, my God, there's still nobody clamoring for a Mike Pence presidency. Nobody, not in the entire country, is saying, thank God Mike Pence entered the race outside of maybe your family, and even then, I'm not sure. It's the notion that we've tried this for how many years to such disastrous results that it's the arrogance to think we still should be doing this. And I agree. Mike Pence is a non-starter for me because of his stance on Ukraine and Russia. Anybody who thinks that the number one priority of the United States government should be to ensure that Ukraine beats Russia in a war or gets involved in some type of insurgency uh, quagmire to, to engage Russia and defang their army, I want nothing to do with you being the executive, uh, being the commander-in-chief of the army. Nothing. Yeah, no, me neither. Hashtag me too. All right. So here's going to be the, the awkward part of the show where I play this DeSantis clip that is seven minutes and 24 seconds long that I'm not going to play the whole thing of. Okay. And I'm just going to randomly end it. And the folks at home are going to be like, what the hell? He was just about to say the most important thing. And I'm going to hit stop. But okay. that's because I'm an amateur and we have no sound in our headphones. So 
other than us breathing on each other. Well, you know, so, there's that. But I, I, I did listen to this whole clip, and I, DeSantis did a, gr- I mean, a perfect political job of, I say, not really not answering the question because he answered a lot of, you know, like he he had a checklist of points that he was making sure, and I was kind of in agreement with most of them. So, um, you know, he talks about bringing the thing to a conclusion. You know, you know things that were happening on the Russian border long before whatever. So, um, and he says, no American troops in Ukraine. And I, we think we know we have 3,000 troops headed to Ukraine as we speak, right? So um, I'm going to play, I don't know, let's, I'm going to play like a minute and a half, two minutes of this. So hopefully the folks at home will uh, appreciate those two minutes. And hopefully I can find a spot to make, make to end it where it makes sense. President, you'd be in charge pretty much single-handedly of America's foreign policy. Um, so with that in mind, I have to ask you about Ukraine. So in uh, the spring, you described the war in Ukraine as a, quote, territorial dispute. You issued a statement saying it was a territorial dispute that was not central to America's national interest. There was an outcry over this. And then pretty soon after, you described, you seemed to change your view and describe Putin as a war criminal and say that it was central to America's foreign policy. Why did you change and where are you now? So the last part I did not say. Um, uh, I served in Iraq during the Iraq campaign in Fallujah. I was attached to U.S. Navy SEAL Team 1. And remember, it started on what WMD. Then we had al-Qaeda in Iraq. Then it was created democracy. Then it was that. And so the lesson that I learned from there is if you're going to commit to do military, whether it's aid or whether it's troops, uh, you need to have a concrete idea of what you're trying to achieve. And so from the time I got out of the sandbox and landed back in the United States 15 years ago until the present, I've always felt that. And so my critique of the D.C. foreign policy elite is that they are doing a blank check policy without telling us when we will have achieved our objective. And I believe that today and I believe that then. Now, because you dissent from the D.C. foreign policy elite, they then try to smear you and say, oh, you must be for Putin. I've always thought Putin's a bad guy. I still think he's a bad guy. But that's a separate question for a leader who's got to look at the world in very clear-eyed glasses. You know that it's not all peaches and cream out there. And you have to make a judgment about what's in America's national interest. And so that's the position that I believe. And I also believe that I wish the D.C. elites cared as much about our border as they do about the Ukraine-Russia border. Because there's people pouring into this country. We have people dying from fentanyl overdose. The cartels are running the show. And what I've said is, this is something on day one, declare a national emergency, mobilize all resources, including the military, stop the invasion, yes, build the wall, but most importantly, authorize the Border Patrol, authorize our military to deal with the cartels. If they're breaking into our country, bringing product, if I'm in charge, that's going to be the last thing they do because they're going to end up stone cold dead. All right, so I timed his body language with my pause. I think I got him right as he was ending his conversation. But he brings up a couple things that I was glad to hear. You know, he he talks about his service and how... Uh, you know, he wants uh, military interventions for whatever they are, or whatever you want to call them, uh, to have a mission, a goal, like a, some, so something that they you know, achievable uh, and not just, you know, these endless uh, occupations, but 
again, I'm I'm holding out. I still lean towards Neocon here for Ron. Yeah. Um, his relationships with the likes of Paul Ryan and the Bushes solidify that position for me. Um, he hasn't he hasn't made any statements, bold statements that I would consider anti-war. Um, that you know, like the the RFK, some other people who have made definitive anti-war statements. He doesn't seem like he's willing to do that. Uh, it's a concern of mine. And, you know, I think he's tries, obviously he's trying to thread needles here. And so he can't piss off too many of the, the neocons on the right or whatever. And he, you know, can't win a primary without those people. So I don't know. I, I'm starting to think though, that the, the more interesting part of this race is going to be the DeSantis versus Viviswamy, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, thing, because they're clearly, those two camps seem to be picking at each other a little bit. So I don't know. I felt like this forum, the way it was laid out was great. Like there was, because there was no, you know, rigidness to it. The structure was very fluid. Tucker is obviously an unbelievable moderator and was asking questions that, you know, you would never hear asked in, in, in the real world. Um, I hope there's more of it. Um, again, I hope Tucker's involved with more of it, especially on the Republican side, but I would, you know, it'd be great if Tucker could work out a way uh, to host an actual presidential debate, you know, in the general too. That'd be freaking awesome. It'd be hilarious. It'd be great. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy tried to sell the feds a national medical surveillance system. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's got some issues. He's got some ties to China. He's got some, uh, venture, uh, stuff that's. And in 2022 in his op-ed pushing the vaccine, he did say that masks and social distancing work. Yeah. A lot of people thought that, that he did. In 2022 they didn't. No, but like I said, and I don't think he can win, but I think that he has the ability to carve out a spot of his own, a lane. He's got a lane. But yeah. anyway, did you hear the, uh, speaking of Tucker, Tucker Carlson's show on Twitter makes an ad deal with anti-ESG shopping app. Are you familiar with Public Square? No. So Public Square is an anti-ESG shopping app. It's okay. a, basically a, uh, a hub for services and goods that you can get that, don't abide by the uh, ESG uh, guidelines Ratings. there. So, but anyway, seven figure deal. Okay, he's got an ad. I Good mean, for him. Yeah. So, the Tucker then, Tuck, Tucker on Tucker on Twitter's uh, still still on Twitter. So no uh, no Fox uh, has taken it down yet. Anyway, so apparently no progress in that particular contract dispute. No, no. All right, well, let's wrap this up. We're we're running late. We're running long anyway. All right, so another Twitter, uh, um, where is it here? Here? Yeah. Another tweet that, did you hear this, uh, the bioweapons uh, discussion here from RFK? Yeah. All right, so before we get that, let me remind everybody one more time to uh, hit the subscribe button. I don't even think I t- reminded it because that was such a crappy intro. It's I forgot right. that too. It's so all right. Subscribe to the channel, share the video, like the video. Leave us a five-star rating review on the uh, podcast wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. So, all right. So, RFK in the news again. Shocker. Um, he seems to have a way of appearing in uh, the show pretty much on a weekly basis now, which is fun to have another topic to talk about, I guess, here. So, RFK. Now, apparently, I don't know the full context of this, but um, 
he was at a dinner, like a private dinner function, like wasn't really covered by the media or whatever. So this is just somebody's random video that they shot on their phone while he was talking. Um, I think the way it was, it was, no, they're gonna, it's not like a, it wasn't a public event. He claims this was supposed to be an off the record conversation. Yeah. And I mean, listen, you know, Mitt Romney can tell you that no conversations off the record. It's fair. Um, and I'll read, this is from uh, clandestine, war clandestine at, on Twitter here. So um, RFK claims that biolabs in Ukraine are collecting Russian DNA to make ethnically targeted bioweapons. Actually, that's not what he said in that uh, quote at all. But I've heard that claim before, not from RFK, but other people, um, including clandestine. So, but anyway, let me play the clip so you guys can get the full context of uh, what RFK did actually say, and then we can talk about it a little bit, and uh, I got some other articles pulled up about that that we can uh, discuss here. So let me mute this. And we need to talk about bioweapons. The level, I know a lot now about bioweapons because I've been doing a book on it for the past two and a half years, and, um, uh, and you know, the, the, what we, the technology that we now have all these micro, we have we've put hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races um, disproportionately. The, uh, the, 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 the races that are most immune to COVID-19 are because of the, of the structure of the, of, um, the genetic structure of genetic differentials among different races of the, um, of the receptors of the ACE2 receptor. Um, COVID-19 is targeted to attack uh, Caucasians and, uh, and, uh, and uh, black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and uh, and Chinese, and but we don't know whether it was deliberately targeted that or not. But there are papers out there that show the you know the um, the racial and ethnic differential and of impact to that. We do know that the Chinese are spending hundreds of millions of dollars developing ethnic bioweapons, and we are developing ethnic bioweapons. That's where all those labs in the Ukraine. Yeah are about, they're collecting Russian DNA, they're collecting Chinese DNA, so that we can target people by race. All right, so a lot in there. First of all, he cites a, a paper um, about COVID in a, in a kind of a offhanded uh, aside to his bigger picture that basically we were developing ethnically targeted bioweapons that basically can target certain genes or certain areas of the of the of the dna that are specific to certain ethnicities right and so he cites a covid uh uh, study in here that says that the fur and cleavage site which was the the mutation quote-unquote mutation that was added to the coronavirus that allowed it to attack humans was specifically designed to attack the ACE2 receptor of Caucasians and African-American or Africans, right? So um, this fur and cleavage site is the lab leak, you know, smoking gun, if you will, that people were, you know, that we covered earlier in the thing. The part of the mutation that they were talking about is this fur and cleavage site. Like, okay, this is not doesn't occur naturally anywhere yet it's here and it's 
shown to highly effective at attacking humans, right? And, and so it was optimal. Like that right. Fern Krulevich say was it's not that it just evolved into this. It's that it you're you're expected to believe it naturally evolved to be the absolute most optimal mechanism for going after for going into human beings. And the study basically cites says, hey, this was uh and it's not saying that the nobody couldn't get COVID. They're talking about the specific part of the ACE2 receptor. So it's like there could be even variations within some ethnicities of this ACE2 receptor, but in general, they have the same type of receptors and therefore they can target these and they were able to seemingly do so with this firm cleavage site. Now, he, RFK doesn't claim that it was done purposely to attack Caucasians or Africans, just that this study shows that the ACE2 receptor was more likely to be latched onto by this firm cleavage site if you were a Caucasian ACE2 receptor or African ACE2 receptor, and not if you were a Chinese ACE2 receptor or Ashkenazi Jew ACE2 receptor. Now, he immediately got labeled an anti-Semite because he Who he, he mentioned Ashkenazi Jews, apparently. So, um, now I watched him do a interview with Rabbi Shmuley, real name. Um, Priest? Rabbi. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Sorry. Rabbi Shmuley. It was an easy joke. Yeah. Couldn't so anyway, myself. now, listen, RFK's full-throated support of Israel had me a little uncomfortable during this uh, interview here with Rabbi Shmuley, but there's no way you could conflate. Well, I mean, you can if you have nefarious and, you know, unseemly uh, uh, intentions to claim RFK Jr. is anti-Semite because of this. It has nothing to do with that at all. He's literally citing a scientific paper that uses this the word Ashkenazi Jews in the paper. Like, he's citing the paper. So this whole thing was dumb. Um, and I guess go this ahead. is the important context, is he's saying that it's a concern that they could create these bioweapons that are DNA-specific. And as sort of an example, he says, just like with SARS-CoV-2, in that... Uh, cleavage site the fern cleavage site it's it it looked as if it was modified to adapt better to caucasians africans and it seemed to exclude asians and i can't pronounce the word ashkenazi jews ashkenazi jews thank you so he just said like something like that if they were to work on that and develop it they could create a bioweapon that was dna specific and that would be a whole new horrific level of warfare that every country should get behind stopping and saying no we don't want to do this because there's no coming back and, of course, these idiots heard that and just went racist. Yeah. I mean, the the smearing of RFK, like, it's so out in the open. Like, it's, again, it, if it wasn't so slimy, it would just be a joke. But, right. Um, but I, br- I found this uh, article uh, uh, posted July 15th, so a couple days ago. Friend of the program? Not really. Michael Schellenberger? Sure. Huge <laughs> fan of the show. I didn't say fan of the show. I, I said am. friend of the program. I said the program. fan of the show. Um, Michael Schellenberger was part of the Twitter files, uh, uh, just for reference. Uh, so let me read his, uh, his uh, headline here. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. triggers overdue debate about China's secretive ethnically targeted bioweapons research. This is not new thing. So this ethnically targeted bioweapon, I, I just did a, uh, a search in the background here, and there was articles dating back to 2012 about this like the guardian i mean people you know pub, major it's publications a thing. it's been around so um 
you know, they, they go through this uh, New York Post because the New York Post basically, I don't know, the ADL, the NA Defamation League really got into it. You know, they were all about RFK is a bigot. So um, New York Post, you know, whatever, ran a story, a story about it. Um, again, RFK felt obligated to, uh, uh, I say, actually this rabbi, and when I listened to the interview, reached out to him <laughs> as soon as he could, uh, religiously allowed to, the, when the uh, Sabbath had ended, basically, or Shabbat had ended, or whatever it was, um, immediately called RFK, RFK picks up the phone, they do the interview basically at one in the morning, uh, Croatian time was where this rabbi was. But anyway, they go through the, and RFK lists the long reasons why he's pro-Israel. And again, some of them made me a little bit uncomfortable because I don't think any president should be that cozy with any country, let alone Israel or with any of the other countries, right? Like they should be neutral. Rights, they, yes. There should be a level that everybody's playing on the same one. So um, it's a little, it, it was uncomfortable, but I, it felt like, listen, he's clearly not, not scared about talking to people. He's gone yeah. on, seemingly two dozen at minimum podcasts, long form podcasts, at least hour long. And is willing to talk about anything. Does, it doesn't seem to pull from notes. Doesn't seem to pull from anything. He is literally just pulling from his brain right. and willing to have the conversation, which I commend him for because I wish more people would do that. Um, clearly people don't like that. If you think for yourself. So add this to the, the pylon of RFK. I don't know if you want to talk about RFK specifically anymore uh, about that or the bioweapons in general, but have at it. The floor is yours. I mean, I feel that we can make this very succinct and very quick. Uh, it does appear at least plausible that there are governments around the world, probably ours included, that are developing these types of weapons that could go on a DNA selection basis. And let's just all acknowledge how terrifying that prospect actually is. Yeah. So of all the things you want to dunk on RFK for, uh, the one I will not dunk on him for is saying, hey, before this really becomes a thing and we can't put it back in the bottle, we should get all these countries together to stop pissing and fighting in Ukraine and just say, hey, look, we got bigger fish to fry. You guys work this stuff out. Let's end this conflict so people stop dying. And now let's all get together and say, hey, just like we've banned flamethrowers, just like we've banned napalm just like we banned other stuff biological weapons chemical weapons are not allowed let's all agree we're not doing this because there's no coming back from this once you go down this road yeah yeah because you know just like nukes everybody's gonna do it right and then what are you gonna do so right uh crazy topic to discuss uh something tells me we'll be hearing more about this in a few years Uh, let's hope for the right reasons amen all right so on that note I thank you all for sticking with us in the uh, uh, choppiness of the uh, beginning part of the show. I apologize. Uh, we will be better next week. Absolutely. Because we always get better. Every week. On that note, for Mr. Hughesong, I am Sean Hannon, and see you all next Monday. <laughs>